0: Hello, my name is Ashley Lambert, and this is Very Sleepy, a podcast to help you fall asleep. So, close your eyes, take a deep breath, and settle in, and get ready for tonight's story, A Curious Call, by Louisa May Elcott. from her book, Aunt Jo's Scrap Bag Louisa May Alcott was born in 1832 and died in 1888. She was a prolific American novelist, short story writer, and a poet best known as the author of the novel Little Women, which was written in 1868, and then its sequels Little Men 1871, and Joe's Boys, 1886. Alcott was raised in New England by her transcendentalist parents, Abigail May and Amos Bronson Alcott. But you might not know, she grew up among some of the most popular, well-known intellectual writers and poets of the day, such as Ralph Waldo Emerson, Nathaniel Hawthorne, Henry David Thoreau, and Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Alcott's family was suffering from financial difficulties. And while she worked to help support the family from an early age, she also really wanted to be a writer. She sought that outlet and began to receive critical success for her writing in the 1860s. You might not also know that early in her career, Alcott sometimes used pen names like A.M. Barnard, under which she wrote lurid short stories and sensation novels for adults that focused on passion and revenge. Very different from Little Women, which was published in 1868 and was set in the Alcott family home, Orchard House in Concord, Massachusetts, and it is loosely based on her childhood experiences with her three sisters, Abigail May, Elizabeth Sewell, and Anna Alcott Pratt. The novel was well-received at the time, and as we know, it's still very popular today among both children and adults, and has been adapted many, many times to stage, film, and television. Alcott was an abolitionist and a feminist, and she was active in reform movements such as temperance and women's suffrage throughout her life. She never did marry, and unfortunately died from a stroke two days after her father in Boston on March 6, 1888, Alcott became more successful with the first part of Little Women or Meg, Jo, Beth and Amy in 1868, which a semi-autobiographical account of her childhood with her sisters in Concord. Alcott traveled throughout Europe, but when she returned to Boston, she became an editor at the magazine called Mary's Museum. It was here where she met Thomas Niles who encouraged the writing of Part 1 of the novel, asking her to create a book especially for girls. Part 2, or Part 2nd, also known as Good Wives, in 1869, followed the March sisters into adulthood and marriage. Little Men, in 1871, detailed Jo's life at the Plumfield School that she founded with her husband. At the conclusion of Part 2 of Little Women... Lastly, Joe's boys in 1886 completed the March family saga. In Little Women, Alcott based the heroine Joe on herself. But whereas Joe marries, at the end of the story, Alcott remained single throughout her life. Which brings us to tonight's story. A short story called A Curious Call by Louisa May Alcott. And I hope "'that it makes you very, very sleepy. "'I have often wondered what the various statues "'standing about the city think of all day "'and what criticisms they would make upon us "'and our doings if they could speak. "'I frequently stop and stare at them, "'wondering if they don't feel lonely "'or if they wouldn't be glad of a nod as we go by.' and I always longed to offer my umbrella to shield their uncovered heads on a rainy day, especially to good Ben Franklin, when the snow lies white on his benevolent forehead. I was always fond of this gentleman, and one of my favorite stories when a little girl was that of his early life and the time when he was so poor. He walked about Philadelphia "'with a roll of bread under each arm, "'eating a third as he went. "'I never pass without giving him a respectful look, "'and wishing he could know how grateful I am "'for all he had done in the printing line, "'for without types and presses, "'where would the books be?' Well, "'I never imagined that he understood "'why the tall woman in the big bonnet stared at him, "'but he did.' "'and he liked it, and managed to let me know "'in a very curious manner, as you shall hear. "'As I look out, the first thing I see "'is the great gilt eagle on the city hall dome. "'There he sits, with open wings, all day long, "'looking down on the people, "'who must appear like ants scampering busily "'to and fro about an anthill.' The sun shines on him splendidly in the morning. The flag waves and rustles in the wind above him sometimes, and the moonlight turns him to silver when she comes glittering up the sky. When it rains, he never shakes his feathers. Snow beats on him without disturbing his stately repose. And he never puts his head under his wing at night, but keeps guard in darkness as in day, like a faithful sentinel. I like the big, lonely bird, call him my particular fowl, and often wish he'd turn his head and speak to me. One night, he did actually do it, or seemed to, for I've never been able to decide whether I dreamed what I'm going to tell you, or whether it really happened. It was a stormy night, and as I drew down my curtain, I said to myself after peering through the driving snow to catch a glimpse of my neighbor. Poor Goldie, I said. He'll have a rough time of it. I hope this Northeaster won't blow him off his perch. Then I sat down by my fire, took my knitting, and began to meditate. I'm sure I didn't fall asleep, but I cannot prove it, "'so we'll say no more about it. "'All at once there came a tap at my door "'as I thought and I said, "'Come in,' just as Mr. Edgar Allan Poe did "'when that unpleasant raven paid him a call. "'No one came, so I went to see who it was. "'Not a sign of a human soul in the long hall. Only little Jessie the poodle asleep on her mat. Down I sat, but in a minute the tap came again, this time so loud that I knew it was at the window, and I went to open it, thinking that one of my doves wanted to come in, perhaps. Up went the sash, and in bounced something so big and so bright that it dazzled me and it scared me. Don't be frightened, ma'am, it's only me, said a hoarse voice. So I, I collected my wits, rubbed my eyes and looked at my visitor. It was the gold eagle off the city hall. I don't expect to be believed, but I wish you'd been here to see for I give you my word, it was a sight to behold. How he ever got in at such a small window I cannot tell, but there he was, strutting majestically up and down the room, his golden plumage rustling and his keen eyes flashing as he walked. I really don't know what to do. I couldn't imagine what he came for. I had my doubts about the propriety of offering him a chair and he was so much bigger than I expected that I was afraid he might fly away with me as the rock did with Sinbad. So I, I did nothing but sidled to the door, ready to whisk out if my strange guest appeared to be peckishly inclined. My respectful silence seemed to suit him, for after a turn or two he paused, nodding gravely, and said affably, Good evening, ma'am. "'I stepped over to bring you Old Ben's respects "'and to see how you were getting on. "'I am very much obliged, sir. "'May I inquire who Mr. Old Ben is? "'I'm, I'm afraid I haven't the honour of his acquaintance.' "'Yes, you have. "'It's Ben Franklin of City Hall Yard. "'You know him, and he wished me to thank you "'for your interest in him.' "'Dear me!' How very odd. Will you sit down, sir? Never sit. I'll perch here. And the great fowl took his accustomed attitude just in front of the fire, looking so very splendid that I could not keep my eyes off him. Ah, you often do that. Never mind. I rather like it, said the eagle graciously as he turned his brilliant eye upon me. I was rather abashed, but, being very curious, I ventured to ask a few questions, as he seemed in a friendly mood. Being a woman, sir, I am naturally of an inquiring turn, and I must confess that I have a strong desire to know how it happens that you take your walks abroad when you are supposed to be permanently engaged at home. He shrugged his shoulders and actually winked at me as he replied, That's all people know of what goes on under or rather over their noses. Bless you, ma'am, I leave my roost every night and enjoy myself in all sorts of larks. Excuse the expression, but being ornithological, it is more proper for me than for some people who use it. What a happy old bird, I thought, feeling quite at home after that. Please, please tell me what you do when the shades of evening prevail and you go out for a frolic. I am a gentleman, therefore I behave myself, returned the eagle with a stately air. I must confess, I smoke a great deal, but that is not my fault. It is the fault of the chimneys. They keep it up all day, and I have to take it, just as you poor ladies have to take cigar smoke, whether you like it or not. My amusements are of a wholesome kind. I usually begin by taking a long flight down the harbor for a look at the lighthouses, the islands, the shipping, and the sea. My friends, the gulls... "'Bring their reports to me, for they are the harbor police, "'and I take notes of their doings. "'The schoolship is an object of interest to me, "'and I often perch on the masthead "'to see how the lads are getting on. "'Then I take a turn over the city, "'gossip with the weather vanes, "'pay my compliments to the bells, "'inspect the fire alarm, "'and pick up information by listening at the telegraph wires.' People often talk about a little bird who spreads news, but they don't know how that figure of speech originated. It is the sparrows sitting on the wires who receive the electric shock, and being hollow-boned, the news goes straight to their heads. Then they fly about, chirping it on the housetops, and the air carries it everywhere. That's the way rumors rise, and news is spread. "'If you'll allow, I'll make a note of that interesting fact,' said I, "'wondering if I I might believe him. "'He appeared to fall into a reverie while I jotted down the sparrow's story, "'and it occurred to me that perhaps I ought to offer my distinguished guest some refreshment. "'But when I modestly alluded to it, he said with an air, "'No, thank you. I have just dined at the Parker house.' Now, I really could not swallow that, and so plainly betrayed my incredulity that the eagle explained. "'The savoury smells which rise to my nostrils from that excellent hotel, with an occasional sniff from the Tremont, are quite sufficient to satisfy my appetite, for having no stomach, I don't need much food, and I drink nothing but water.' I wish others would follow your example in that latter habit, said I respectfully, for I was beginning to see that there was something in my bird, though he was hollow. Will you allow me to ask if the other statues in the city fly by night? They promenade in the parks and occasionally have social gatherings when they discuss politics and education, medicine or "'any of the subjects in which they are interested. "'Ah, we have grand times when you are all asleep. "'It quite repays me for being obliged to make an owl of myself. "'Do the statues come from the shops to these parties?' "'I asked, resolving to take a late walk in the next moonlit night. "'Sometimes.' But they get lazy and delicate, living in close, warm places. We laugh at cold and bad weather and are so strong and hearty that I shouldn't be surprised if I saw Webster and Everett flying round the Common on the new-fashioned bicycles, for they believed in exercise." Goeth and Schiller often step over from the Devries window to flirt with the goddesses who come down from their niches on horticultural Hall. Nice, robust young women are Pomona and Flora. If your Nimini piminy girls could see them run, they would stop tilting through the streets and learn that the true Grecian bend is the line of beauty always found in straight shoulders and an upright figure. "'firmly planted on active feet. "'In your rambles, don't you find a great deal of misery?' "'said I to change the subject, "'because he was evidently old-fashioned in his notions. "'Many sad sights.' "'And he shook his head with a sigh, "'then added briskly, "'But there is a great deal of charity in our city.' and it does its work beautifully. By the by, I heard of a very sweet charity the other day a church whose Sunday school is open to all the poor children who will come, and there, in pleasant rooms with books, pictures, kindly teachers, and a fatherly minister to welcome them, the poor little creatures find refreshment for their hungry souls. I like that. It's a lovely illustration of the text. Suffer little children to come unto me, and I call it practical Christianity. He did like it, "'my benevolent old bird, "'for he rustled his great wings "'as if he wanted to clap them "'if there had only been room, "'and every feather shone "'as if a clearer light "'than that of my little fire "'had fallen on it as he spoke. "'You are a literary woman, then,' "'he said suddenly, "'as if he'd got a new idea "'and was going to pounce upon me with it. "'I do a little in that line,' I answered with a modest cough. Then tell people about that place. Write some stories for the children. Go and help teach them. Do something. And make others do what they can to increase the sunshine that brightens one day in the week for the poor babies who live in shady places. I shall be glad to do my best. And if I'd known before, I began, you might have known. If you'd looked about you, people are so wrapped up in their own affairs, they don't do half they might. Now then, hand me a piece of paper, and I'll give you the address, so you won't have any excuse for forgetting what I tell you. Mercy on us, what will he do next? Thought I, as he tweaked a feather out of his chest, gave the nib a peck, and then coolly wrote these words on the card I handed him. Church of the Disciples, knock and it shall be opened. There it was in letters of gold, and while I looked at it, feeling reproached that I hadn't known it sooner, my friend, he didn't seem to be a stranger anymore, said in a businesslike tone as he put back his pen, Now, I must be off. "'Old Ben reads an article on the Abysses of the Press at the present day, "'and I must be there to report. "'It must be very interesting, I suppose. "'You don't allow mortals at your meetings?' "'said I, burning to go in spite of the storm. "'No, ma'am. "'We meet on the Common, "'and in the present state of the weather. "'I don't think flesh and blood would stand it. "'Bronze, marble and wood— "'are sterner stuff, and can defy the elements. "'Good evening, pray call again,' I said, hospitably. "'I will. Your Irish suits me. "'But don't expect me to call in the daytime. "'I am on duty, then, and cannot take my eye off my charge. "'The city needs a deal of watching, my dear. "'Bless me, it's striking eight. Your watch is seven minutes slow by the Old South. Good night. Good night. And as I opened the window, the great bird soared away like a flash of light through the storm, leaving me so astonished at the whole performance that I haven't yet gotten over it. The End I hope you enjoyed the story A Curious Call by Louisa May Alcott Growing up in the suburbs outside of Philadelphia I spent lots of time wandering through the streets looking at the different statues and the historical venues of Philadelphia and I always wondered wonder what Ben Franklin thinks of all of this or William Penn for that matter either way I hope this short story made you very very sleepy thank you so much for all of the reviews and the five-star reviews my goodness you all are amazing and I really appreciate it and I hope I hope I'm helping you sleep that is the goal hope you're asleep right now if you're brand new welcome thank you for joining us and I hope you'll join us again. I'm Ashley Lambert, and this is Fairy Sleepy. Until next time, good night.